You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. This is Chuck Marone. Yes, it really is me. <laughs> um, it hasn't been that long, but it's it's been too long. I I completely agree. Um, I, I was thinking it, it's it's late, late. I, actually, it's ten minutes to midnight. Uh, I'm I'm here Wednesday night. Thursdays are normal day for a podcast to come out, and it's it's been a while. And I'm in the office working really late tonight, as I have been lately. More on that in a minute. And um, I thought I just I can't go home without putting a podcast together and, and getting it out to you. So I have heard from many of you. I, I appreciate it so much. I, I love the fact that there is demand for what we do here at Strong Towns and that when we're not putting out regular content, particularly on the podcast, that you miss it and uh, miss it enough to to let me know so thank you for that it 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 means a lot to me um th- this may be disappointing to some <laughs> you that are hoping for uh some i don't know uh some topical kind of thing or an interview or what have you i i'm i'm going to give you an update on some of the things that have gone on from an organization standpoint uh, so this is going to be kind of one of those nuts and bolts podcasts, and I, I really don't know how long this is going to go. I've got um, how many ounces of Mountain Dew is that left? Maybe like eight ounces. Uh, so I, I'm, you know, we're we're here. Uh, I will. Uh, I'll go for a little while, and and we'll see where I get. Um, but I'm going to give you a little bit of update on on what's been going on and where I've been and what I've been working on. And, uh, and and what to expect in the coming weeks, months, uh, and, and maybe even beyond. Uh, but I, I want to take you back to a year ago at the National Gathering. We, we had, in September of last year, September 2014, we had our, our National Gathering in Minneapolis. And I, I've said this before, this, this won't be new to most of you, but the, the thing that was... I think the the revelation for me and for others who have been involved in the Strong Towns movement from the very beginning uh, was who you are, um, who you are, who the people who showed up at this at this event were. Um, I'm an engineer, and when I started this whole process when I'm, when I started the blog way back then, I'm I'm an engineer and a planner and my thoughts kind of began in that realm, right? I actually sat down a a week or so ago, a couple weeks ago and wrote down what I called a a genealogy of strong towns thought. In fact, hang on a sec. I think it's right behind me. Hang on a second. Um, no, it's not there. Is it right here? Ah, no. I don't have it. Okay. I don't have it. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I have it somewhere, but it's not close. But I, I sat down and I wrote out all of the things that uh, go into thinking like a strong towns advocate and essentially all the different facets of, of study that have influenced 
me. I, I obviously have an engineering degree. And so whatever goes into getting that degree for four years and then working for a number of years as an engineer, that that's obviously an inspiration. Uh, I got a master's degree in, in urban and regional planning and, you know, whatever goes into that and then working as a planner and doing zoning and all that, uh, certainly that's foundational. Um, but other things like uh, municipal finance, Nassim Taleb's concept of anti-fragile, uh, risk compensation theory, complexity theory, even you've heard on this podcast, uh, theological type studies. It, this is all things that have influenced me and, and are important to me and important to the, the conversation. There's, there's a lot of other stuff here too in this genealogy of strong towns thinking. I, I put this together because I was pondering this notion of, of who we are. And really, the base assumptions that I had and that many of us had about who we are uh, were really challenged last year at the National Gathering. Now, I don't know what we were expecting. Uh, certainly, I think I was maybe expecting a lot of people who were like me, right? Uh, a lot of planners, a lot of engineers, a lot of city geek kind of people, right? A lot of us technical folk. But that's not who showed up. I mean, th there were a handful of them. There were a number of them. But my gosh, there was this whole broad spectrum of, of, of people that I had never anticipated seeing. There, there, there was this broad spectrum of people that were plugged into our movement who did not come from one of these traditional, we call them now ape uh, ape categories, architects, planners, engineers. There were a bunch of non-apes that showed up, people who not only were in building and development, but computer programming and retail and community activism and this whole broad spectrum. And it was, it was beautiful and it was inspiring uh, and it was motivating. It also was um, a little bit of a gut check too, right? Uh, you know, we, we've been calling this a movement for a long time. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden you turn around and look and my gosh, it, it is a movement. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the confirmation is there. And, and the fascinating thing about it is that it's, it's not a confirmation from kind of the narrow spectrum from which our ideas uh, originated. But they're really from this broader spectrum that, that I've enunciated over time and that, you know, a, a lot of other people who have talked about these issues originating from the, the way that we've brought them forth uh, have come to uh, have come to share them. So there's this broad spectrum of people. And we had a, a board meeting in December with our, our brand new board. Uh, last year, we um, we uh, kind of switched over our board of directors. And I, th I think, again, I've I probably talked about this before, too. I, I don't want to beat it to death, but you know, we, we had a board of directors that was uh, very reflective of kind of where we started, a, a Minnesota-based uh, kind of, you know, again, ape, uh, ape-esque uh, planners uh, and, and those kind of people um, kind of focused. And we realized, you know, over last summer and then uh, certainly confirmed at the national gathering that, that this, this was not very reflective of our movement, where we were going or, or what we were trying to do or, you know, what we could see in our, our membership and some of the other feedback that we were getting. And so we wound up making a transition to a, a new board of advisors. 
uh, as a nonprofit, I, I, we're required to have a board, uh, which is, you know, not a burden. Um, certainly not now that we have the, the people that we have in place. It's really a, a blessing. They are incredibly helpful to me. But this board assembled for the first time in New York City last uh, last December to talk about the future of the organization. And if I have to characterize that that meeting in any way, it, it was um, you know friendly and it was productive and and there were a lot of things that were inspiring about it. But I walked out of there questioning uh, a lot of the things that we were doing as an organization. Uh, a lot of the things that, and, and I had been questioning this for some time, but the, 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 the mental energy in that room kind of solidified the notion that I, I didn't think we were doing some of the things uh, the right way. And in fact, when we walked out of there, uh, one of the things that we did was put a, a kibosh, a ending to a, uh, a you know, we said we're not going to do uh, any kind of consulting work anymore. Um, and, and that was something I pushed for. That was something the board kind of readily agreed to and I think made a lot of sense. Um, you know, it, it, it was difficult from a revenue stream because that some of that work that we were doing in cities, some of the case studies and, and projects that we were doing that were kind of innovative uh, were good demonstration projects. And there was a ton of demand for us to go out and do more of that stuff. Uh, and it was really good for our bottom line. I mean, it, it helped pay the bills around here and allow us to do the, the other things that we were doing. But in terms of the organization and the movement, the Strong Towns movement, uh, these were very isolated things that took up a lot of time, a lot of resources, and did not really give us the, the impact that we were, we were hoping to see especially not when compared to some of the other things that we did or that we, that we do. I uh, spent much of the, the winter uh, basically studying concepts that were very foreign to me. Um, one of our board members had recommended a book on growth hacking. It's a concept that I had never heard of uh, prior to last December. Um, I read that book and then I read about 15 more. Uh, it is, it's a, it's a very fascinating concept about how you use social media and new media and old media and, uh, essentially different, uh, marketing and PR techniques to, uh, get your message out and, and propagate your message to wider audiences. That's certainly a big part of what we're doing. And, and I studied this and, uh, spent a lot of mental energy on it tried a, a number of things, very, very successful with it uh, in, the, in the first part of the year when I had the time to goof around with it. But of course, then uh, I went out on the road and started traveling again. And when I, when I hit the travel season, I, I basically have gotten into a routine where I travel for three, three and a half months in the spring, three, you know, roughly three, three and a half months in the fall. Uh, I take a nice break off from travel in the winter. That's kind of been my uh, intellectual recharging kind of time. And then I take a, a similar time off in the summer, which has been a little bit less about, uh, recharging and more about being like a decent husband and father, uh, but a little bit about recharging too. And so that winter period of time, uh, I was able to kind of experiment and grow on some of these principles and, and spend a lot of time talking to our members and running ideas past them 
and you know th- throwing concepts out at, at people and getting their reaction to where this movement was and what we needed to be doing. When we hit the, the travel season, uh, I became grumpy again, the way that I had been grumpy the fall previous in that travel season and the way I've been grumpy the spring previous previous in that travel season. And a lot of my, my grumpiness had to do with the fact that uh, as a, as an organization, we lacked the, um, I don't want to say we lacked the capacity. We, we, we didn't, we didn't really have the staff and the, the people in place to do some of the things that I thought were very low hanging fruit. Uh, I, I go out and do a curbside chat to me, I, I wanted more upfront work, more engagement work. We have members in these areas. We have supporters in these member in these areas. We have people who are connected to us to one degree or another. There's traditional media. Uh, there's non-traditional media. Uh, we were doing very little uh, in, in, in many cases to reach out to those places. Now, we were doing some, and certainly we had great people on the ground that were bringing us in places that were doing some. Uh, but, but we had tools and techniques and I talked about the, you know, all the research and experimentation I'd done. We, we, we kind of, you know, had some things we could do, uh, but we just didn't have the staff capacity to, to do them and to do them well and to follow up with them and, and be thoroughly engaged the way we should. I think even more frustratingly, uh, we would show up to events and like say a curbside chat, I would, I would do a speech, I would do a presentation, we'd have a conversation, and then uh, I'd wave goodbye and fly off to the next place and leave all these people uh, in, in many ways wanting more and in many ways with questions. And uh, we would just leave them hanging there. We, we didn't do what I thought were very low-hanging fruit kind of things uh, in terms of... Uh, following up, getting them connected, getting them connected to each other, getting them connected to us, getting them connected to other people around the country who are dealing with similar things, uh, bring them in to become members and, and do other things that I I think an organization in our position, uh, with this much energy being spent out on the road, uh, and this many people, I mean, I'm, I, I talked to thousands of people last year, uh, a very small fraction of which are, are, you know, uh, be are members of our organization or are here, you know, probably listening to us on the podcast. Uh, but I can't, I can count on one hand, the number of people that weren't enthused coming out of those conversations. This is very low hanging fruit. And we just, we, we weren't oriented, set up, uh, with the right capacities in the right places to do this kind of work. So travel season ended like the third week of June and actually, probably ended after our board meeting, but, but we had, we reconvened for another board meeting at the end of June. Everybody came out here to uh, central Minnesota. Uh, I was able to get a resort cabin uh, from a, a relative, which was just very incredibly generous of them to allow us to, to use this place. We, uh, we camped out there. Uh, families came and they were able to enjoy some, some time at a, at a very nice resort, but the board and I, you know, kind of sequestered ourselves off and uh, really had a, a more, I think, mature conversation about um, the future of the organization. And one of the things we, we wound up doing, we, we really got foundational. I mean, we really went back to 
what are we about? Let's let's question our mission. Let's question our value statement. Let's question what we want to see. And we really wound up affirming a lot of things that that we had believed. Uh, but I think the maybe the most important thing that came out of that foundational discussion was how we define success. I think for a lot of time, we kind of define success in, uh, in, in an amorphous way. You know, when, when cities become strong towns, we'll be successful. Um, you know, when, when cities start doing X, we'll be successful. And, we, you know, what is X? Is it, I think if you would have asked me 10 years ago, I would have said a form-based code, right? If you would have asked me 15 years ago, I would have said, uh, you know, more bike lanes. I, I, I don't know. You know, what, what is X? The strong towns movement is not like complete streets or not like, you know, the American Society of Civil Engineers or, you know, not like Vision Zero, where there's a, a very clear kind of defined end point, right? But in the course of our conversation, uh, we discovered something very, very important. We discovered that where we have seen the most success and where we have seen uh, the greatest outcomes from our endeavors have been in places where people are sharing our message where people are taking our message, be it a blog post, be it a podcast, be it a video, be it uh, a message they picked up in the curbside chat, uh, be it a small sliver of that or a larger spectrum of that, whatever it is, when people take our message and pass it on to others, we see good things happen. We see places that start to make different policy decisions. We see people that organize into groups and start to do things. Uh, we see, um, you know, change start to happen in a, in a positive way. That's incredibly affirming to us because while we measure success in many, many ways, that is a really tangible way for us to start to measure the success of our movement. And it really evolved into what, what I've been calling now a theory of change. And I'll, I'll preface this by saying this is our theory. We, we might be wrong on this. But the limited study samples that we've had have suggested to me that, you know, there's some basis for this theory. And the theory of change is essentially that the more people that are sharing our message, the more uh, positive things from a strong town standpoint that we're going to see in the world. And so... What we are focused on is sharing this message. Out of our board meeting, uh, when there was a point in the board meeting where we, we put up every program and idea and uh, you know effort that we could do that had been part of our conversation. You know, the, everything from consulting to uh, you know do, doing doing different projects to the blog to the podcast, basically everything that we've ever tried or ever considered doing, we, we put up on a board. And then we, we ranked everything. Uh, we ranked them based on how easy they were to accomplish. You know, is this something that would be difficult to do or something that would be easy to do? And there's a spectrum there, right? And then we ranked them based on how impactful they are. What, what degree of impact uh, does this have? And what we wound up with was a very nice quadrant of things that we have found to be very high impact and within our kind of core competency to, to do. 
And this has become our new strategic plan. So beginning in early July, uh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, putting the finishing touches on this board meeting and getting, getting my board of directors and everyone to kind of agree that, yep, this is what we decided and this is what we're going to do and kind of building some momentum to that and actually, uh, planning kind of a rollout to, uh, our members and to other people who are, are very interested in what we're doing. Uh, and then of course, uh, <laughs> as you know, if you listen to the last podcast, uh, my house got hit by this, you know, uh, bad windstorm. Um, just a little update on that as an aside, because some of you have, have emailed me and asked. Uh, we did get the insurance adjuster out finally. Um, there's $18,000 in damage. I need a new roof. Uh, there's holes in the roof. Every time it rains, I get water in. It's just a mess. Uh, I've got to replace some of the ceiling in the uh, upstairs, some of the ceiling in the downstairs. Uh, one of the windows that's, I've got a skylight, it's got to be completely replaced. Um, the carpeting is going to be replaced and that's all the stuff that actually we're going to get some, you know, insurance money to help us do. Uh, I think that's all doable, right? Like I can, you know, I, I've been, uh, I've been working through bank issues now. I actually haven't got a single contractor lined up, uh, even though it's been about a month since this happened now, because I've been dealing with insurance companies and banks, you know, when, the insurance company issues you a check, says, okay, you've got $18,000 in damage. Here's, they gave us an $11,000 check. Um, and the idea is you, you get the work done and then uh, the insurance company will pay you like the difference, right? The, you, it's, uh, if you don't do it, they're basically compensating you for the depreciated value of what was lost. But if you go out and actually fix it, they'll pay the full cost. But you got you to gotta do that first, right? Well, here's the logistics problem. Uh, I actually have a mortgage. And so the mortgage company, which, you know, my mortgage was with a local bank and then they sold it. And now it's owned by this place uh, down in the, the Twin Cities metro area here in Minnesota, um, which is actually better than, you know, prior mortgages I've had, which have been held by who the heck knows. Uh, but these people down in, in this mortgage company are co-signers on the check. They're, they're co-payees, right? And so... Before I can get the check cashed uh, to get the work ordered, they have to uh, sign off on it. Well, they won't sign off on it until um, the work is actually done and invoiced. And so essentially I have like an $18,000 cash flow problem, right? I've already paid $4,000 plus out of pocket to get the, the like emergency stuff done the trees taken off the roof and then I, I patched the holes myself and have tried to do some of that stuff. But, uh, it's become this like logistics nightmare and, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, been working through that, uh, amidst all this. So, uh, what I want to do, um, you know, as, as after that little aside is kind of give you a, a little taste of, uh, what our, um, our, our strategic plan says that we're going to do. And I, I put together a little briefing that I did for the applicants for these job positions we've got. And I'm going to talk about that here at the end as well, because uh, that's an important part of what we've got going on. But let me, let me give you a, a little taste of what our strategic plan says and, and, and how this is a shift. And this might not seem like a huge shift to you. I mean, you listen to the podcast 
And, you know, depending on how deeply you're involved in the rest of the movement, the rest of the organization, uh, this might not seem, but for us, it is a, it is a major um, kind of solidification of the things we've been thinking and, and the way we've been uh, kind of moving things here for, for quite a while now. So first, let me, let me talk about what's out. And what's out are a bunch of things that we are asked to do continuously that there's a lot of demand for us to go out and do. Um, consulting, I've mentioned a few times. We get asked all the time to come in and do large projects, to do small projects, to come in and, and uh, give advice to cities and governments and different groups about things. And, and, you know, while those pay fairly well and they help keep the lights on, they're really not core to what we're doing and they're not part of our theory of change, right? This all goes back to that theory of change. How do we get, and, and I didn't mention this, but the, the mantra that we've been using here for like three years, but now it kind of has some meaning to it. Well, now we have this theory of change. How do we get a million people who care? How do we get a million people who will be willing to share this message with someone else? Uh, so consulting and doing projects uh, is out. It, it, it doesn't meet our theory of change. And it, uh, it, it is a very uh, time-intensive and low-returning thing, even if it does uh, help pay the bills. Um, On-the-ground organizing. Uh, this is another thing that we've been asked to do. You know, can you, uh, let's, let's get people together and, you know, go protest this. Or let's get people together and have them go uh, be activists in this way or that way. And we've had people... Uh, you know, point us in the direction of different advocacy organizations that are good at kind of a ground game, mobilizing people and get them out there doing things uh, to push a change agenda. And, you know, I think there's a lot of validity to that. I think there's a lot of reasons why that's an important undertaking. Um, for us, it's A, not what we're good at, and B, not uh, our theory of change, right? I mean, we, we've dabbled in this a little bit and it's very chaotic. It's, uh, you know, time intensive. Um, and it's just not, it, it's not where we're seeing the greatest influence from, from our expertise and, and our uh, way of approaching things. And so on the ground organizing, lobbying is out. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times we've, we've been asked to start a pack or go meet with this or that legislator, or help write or craft legislation, um, and and you know we we've had this conversation. You know, are we lo do we want to do this? Do we want to hire a lobbyist? And this is again our theory of change. This just just is is a very time consuming, very resource intensive undertaking. Do we lobby at the federal level? Oh my gosh, I, I can't imagine the nightmare of trying to do that. Do we lobby at fifty states? Do we lobby at the local level? I mean, th these are um, th these are very tempting because there's a, a lot of people who would like us to do this. And quite frankly, again, when we get to how do we make an organization viable, uh, there's a lot of people willing to put up a lot of resources to have people do this, but it's not what we're good at. And it's not where we're seeing the greatest impact. And, and really, I'm convinced more than ever that we can change the minds of you know, a president. We can change the minds of a, a congressional leader. We can change the minds of a governor or a state legislator. I think that's wonderful. 
But unless we change the minds or infect the population with a, a new mindset, a strong town's mindset, and there's a general cultural shift towards doing something else, uh, I, I don't think we're going to be successful. I, I really don't. Um, one other thing that's out, and I, I'm just going to call it uh, think tank. Uh, <laughs> we're still going to do papers and we're still going to do research and we're still going to, I mean, obviously we're going to do the blog and we're going to continue to write and we're going to do original stuff. Um, but we really are not. And I don't think ever have been. And I, again, I don't think it's, it's the core strength of, of any of us, uh, a think tank. And I, I say that in the sense that there are organizations that sit around, uh, do research, uh, crunch data, um, you know, and, 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 try to uh, you know make make certain arguments uh, in a I'm gonna say white paper uh, what what I really mean is like a, a suit and tie kind of way right um, very highbrow uh, we're gonna you know it's just not me it's not me it's not us and I'm not saying we're lowbrow we're certainly not I mean I, I'd like to think that we're deeply intellectual here but as Nassim Taleb has said, you know, don't trust anyone with a tie. Uh, I come a little bit from that background as well. And while I'm an engineer, so I do wear ties, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I've, I've never desired to have a think tank uh, as such. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to be doing that. That's, that's not our game. That's not what we're best at. So what's in, what, what are we, what are we doing? And I, I, I quantify this under three different headings and I'm going to, I'll give you these headings and then I'll go through each one of them a little bit. There's three things that, that we're going to focus on. The first is to create powerful content. The second is to share our message widely. And the third is to nudge people to action. So create powerful content, share it widely and nudge people to action. Let me, let me talk a little bit about what these things are. Cre create powerful content. We want to continue to do this podcast. And in fact, our top priority uh, coming out of a strategic plan is to expand our content stream. Every time we have expanded our content stream, uh, we see exponential jumps in our, in our audience, right? Um, we've had long had plans. We, we had plans last year to add a second podcast stream or to add additional podcast content so we'd be doing more than one podcast a week. Uh, we've got the mechanism set up, we've tested it out, we know we can do, it's just a matter of having the, the personnel and the resources to be able to schedule things and line things up and get things edited and get things up and, and, and out of here. Um, we uh, used to be a blog that posted three times a week. We're now a blog, uh, we went to five days a week, and then we went to multiple times a day. Uh, we've had weeks now where we've done 15, you know, three posts a day plus. And again, the more content we put out, uh, the exponential growth that we see in our audience. Um, we want to do the highest quality content in our realm, in our area of focus. Uh, and we want to continue to expand that content stream. We want to continue to do the curbside chat program. And the curbside chat program has grown beyond the one presentation that I've given, you know, and it's, it's obviously changes uh, over time, but you know, we've given now multiple different presentations, multiple different styles, different workshops. 
the curbside chat program essentially encapsulate all of our kind of on the ground public outreach efforts. The idea that I will and and other members of Strongtown will go out into a community and in person deliver a message is an incredibly powerful, powerful approach that that we see huge returns from and gets us much closer to creating those million people who care. And so we want to continue and dedicate ourselves to that program, continue to expand it, expand our ability to do it in more places, reaching more people. We want to do issue campaigns. And we've dabbled this year uh, with a number of, of what I would call issue-focused conversations. Uh, last year, we did the Black Friday parking. We've done that two years in a row now. It's been incredibly successful where we, we use this meme, this hashtag, Black Friday parking, to show people uh, how empty parking lots are on the busiest shopping day of the year. This year, we have done the No New Roads campaign and the uh, Slow the Cars campaign, mostly on the blog, a little bit on here, but mostly on the blog. And I've been just amazed at how those have caught on and people have shared that message and how it's become, uh, you know, and, and it, one that shows up again and again and again in, in all the right places. Uh, we want to expand these campaigns, focus them, uh, try out different ways of communicating around key issues that we've identified that are both high velocity and high stickiness. And by high velocity, I mean they're, they're sometimes called viral. They, they move very quickly. And stickiness meaning that they, uh, they, they, have, a long, they have a long tail. They're, this is me talking like uh, a geek again. Uh, I say stickiness, and then I define that by having a long tail. Um, what in the world am I, is Chuck talking about? Okay, it has a long tail, <laughs> meaning that uh, it's going to persist a long time, right? Okay, there, that's a better way to describe it. It's going to stick. The message is going to hang with people for a longer period of time. When we can find those high velocity, high stickiness kind of messages, we want to focus campaigns around them. Uh, this is a matter of experimentation. It's a matter of developing things over time. It's a matter of finding partners that are interested in these kind of things. Uh, but we are dedicated to doing that. And then uh, we want to continue to aggregate great content. We have a, a number of contributors. We have a number of uh, people out there who uh, write things that we find inspiring, that put together videos that we find to be really good. We want to be uh, kind of a premier destination for distributing that kind of content uh, and aggregating not only stuff that uh, people are doing uh, that that is related, but things that our members are doing and, and others are doing that we think adds value to the message we're trying to share. This all falls under creating powerful content. And we are really looking at ourselves in many ways as a media organization, as an organization that is about this message and about sharing this message. Up, up to this point, uh, you go to our website at strongtowns.org, and we are an organization with an attached blog and a podcast. Uh, we are evolving to become a media message, a, a, a media organization that is sharing uh, written content, audio content, video content, all in a certain uh, genre with an attached advocacy mission, right? And that's an, that's an inverse of what we have historically been, which is an advocacy organization with an attached blog. We're now essentially a blog or a, a media distribution system channel uh, with an attached 
organization and message. And that's a very kind of major, major shift in who we are and, and what we're trying to do. So the second area of focus in our new strategic plan is to share our message widely. And this is something, when I talked about the growth hacking earlier, this is something that uh, falls in that realm. Uh, but certainly we're looking to engage in public relations programs, public relations outreach, both traditional and non-traditional. Uh, we have dabbled with advertising and are committed to doing advertising where we can get our message in front of you know strategic audiences in a way that does increase its velocity and its stickiness. Uh, obviously, we're not in a position right now financially to do massive advertising campaigns, but we have dabbled with uh, small advertising buys and found them to be really, really successful in uh, increasing our audience and increasing the velocity and stickiness of our message. Uh, we have strategies to target key influencers uh, as a mechanism less to influence them and more to uh, help them share our message. Uh, individuals who are in uh, kind of realms that are parallel or intersect with us uh, where our message can provide value to them and to their audiences and vice versa. And then we want to, uh, under the guise of sharing our message, convene some issue summits to bring together people to look at and focus at specific issues uh, and then use our media uh, distribution channels and, and the way we uh, are able to craft messages and put them out to put a, a lot of focus on particular issues at particular times. Uh, that's, I've got some huge ideas for that. And it's something that, uh, you know, hopefully by the end of this year, we're actually going to be in a position to implement some of those things. The third kind of broad umbrella that's in our strategic plan is the notion of nudging people to action. And before I go through the things that we're looking to do here, I, I want to kind of talk about the word nudge, because I said earlier on that we're, we're not a community organizing group. We, we, we are not going to have uh, ch local chapters and we're not going to have people in different communities uh, trying to organize people on our, on our payroll, right? But we do recognize that that's important and that that needs to happen and that that's something that is a, a positive step in terms of people who hear and receive our message. Uh, that's, that's one of the kind of indicators of success. And so we asked ourselves, you know, what, what are we capable of doing and what is it that we think we can accomplish? And we came, we, we kind of settled on the word nudge because we're not in a position and, and we're not, you know, going to be in a position, maybe not forever, but we're, we're not in a position to uh, go out and organize people. But we can uh, create the framework and the systems and the means and, and uh, the, 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 really the groundwork for the conversation so that people can spontaneously do this themselves. We can nudge people along, right? And so uh, some of the things that we're looking to do here, really the kind of three things that we focus on. The first one is, is support our members. And I'm going to be the first one to tell you 
I, I, I'm extremely indebted to our membership. Our membership, uh, we have about 750 members right now. Uh, our goal is to get to 1,000 by the end of this year. That's a really significant number. Um, I am hugely indebted to our members for the support they've given us. Uh, at, a thousand, at, at 750 members, uh, we have a high percentage of people who are true believers in this movement and people who are committed to it and people who are not only willing to support us uh, financially, but also willing to support us with their time and their effort and their energy. The, these are the, the first people of the million who will care, right? Um, we have done uh, a, a job that I find to be inadequate in supporting our members. Um, now, I, I've talked to our mem I've, I've talked to a lot. I, I spend a lot of time talking to our members, and I appreciate uh, all the support I get and all the feedback I get. And everybody's so very positive, and they all have really nice things to say and great suggestions. Still, I, I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied at all. And I think we could be doing way, way more to support our members, both in terms of, of sharing our message, uh, of giving them uh, information that will help them uh, in answering their questions and connecting them to other people and giving them case studies to, to, to go through and in, in, in giving them access to people who can help them. There's so many things that we can do to support our members uh, that we just, in, in many ways, have not had the resources to do uh, organizationally. And, um, that is a, if, if that may be the number one or number two priority coming out of this, uh, last board meeting, our strategic plan is to do a better job supporting our members. Um, the second thing into this idea of nudging people to action is the curbside chat follow-up. Uh, we recognize that when we go out and do events, uh, that we have a, a whole group of people that are there that have been hit by this very powerful message, this very kind of red pill, blue pill kind of message that you can't, once you see it, you can't turn it off. Uh, we've had people tell us, like, this is a life-changing thing. Um, <laughs> I was going to give you a quote from the last one, but I, I'll, I'll skip on it because if you're not of a certain, uh, I, I appreciated it for, well, I'll, I'll give it to you, even though it might, tick some of you off. Um, I, I just gave a presentation in Texas uh, two nights ago, and a guy come up, came up to me afterwards and said, uh, do you know what you reminded me of? Say this to me. Um, I go, what? And he goes, the whole, when you were talking, I kept thinking, who is John Galt? And if you've ever read Atlas Shrugged, uh, John Galt is uh, this um, kind of seminal character who is delivering this message of the world as you know it is is wrong. Here's a, a different reality, uh, and and th this is a almost like a, a cultish kind of personality for people who enjoy the work of of Ayn Rand and have read the book. I've read Atlas Shrugged. I enjoyed it. I read The Fountainhead. Thought it was even better. Um, I'm not a Ayn Rand disciple, but I I do appreciate. I mean, I I appreciate uh, the work. It's it's a very good book. I'd recommend reading it. But this this was, um, give, to give you a level of the kind of feedback that we get, I, I get that from, you know, all, all different political perspectives and persuasions and what have you. I was in Texas, by the way. Uh, so the, for the, this guy to come up and tell me this is incredibly flattering and very, uh, I think, indicative of the power that this message has when we are able to deliver it in person. We need to follow up on that. 
And we need to follow up on that very intentionally by getting those people connected to our movement, getting connected to each other, getting connected to others in their community, and helping them ask and think about certain questions that will, again, nudge them uh, to, 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 to take action, nudge them uh, to do something to make their place more of a strong town. Uh, so we're, we're going we're gonna to focus on that, and that's a, a major part of what we want to do as well. And then the, the final thing under nudging people to action is just uh, we want to support meetup groups. Uh, th this is a, a very low-tech strategy. It's a very easy thing to do. It's not something that is going to involve us establishing formal chapters and chapter heads and, you know, uh, different ways of operation. We, we, we don't want to get into that. We, this is a very organic undertaking, and we want to keep our eye on the things that we do best. But I do think that we can, and our board believes that we can, uh, help create the framework where people will meet locally. Um, whether it is a you know, a cross between a glorified book club and a local chapter, uh, I, you know, wherever it falls in that spectrum locally, I'll be completely happy with. Uh, but we want to consciously kind of uh, induce those kind of things to happen. So those are our programs. And when we, when we sat down as a board and we, we put all these things up and we came up with, you know, what's the stuff that we can do and what's the stuff that's most impactful? Those are, those are the things that came out of this conversation. I'm sure that I've disappointed some of you because I'm sure that some of you uh, were hoping we would start a pack and we're hoping we would do lobbying and hoping we would be a think tank and hoping we would come to your city and advise them on their strode. And, and, you know, I, I, I appreciate, I appreciate that. I really do. And, and believe me, if I could do it all, I would. And one of my personal failings and shortcomings is that I, I want to do it all. And I often have a hard time uh, saying no to people. I, 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 I will stay here at the office till one in the morning, <laughs> two in the morning, three in the morning, working to get stuff done because I, I have a hard time saying no to people, right? Uh, I want to do it all. I want to. I want to help. I want to make things better. I, I. When someone asks me, I feel very compelled. I. I never delete an email, right? Because when you email me, I always feel compelled to write you back. And sometimes it's like six months later, and it's sat there, and I've it's kept popping back up in my inbox, and I just haven't got to it. But I. I, I feel this like need to to respond to everything, even when people probably aren't even expecting a response, right? That's just me. It's the way I'm wired. This exercise uh, helped me a lot, and while I, I'm, I'm sure there will be some of you that are disappointed, I, I'm sure there are many of you who hopefully will be excited by this shift and by this change and by this focus that, uh, that this is, is bringing to what we do. Um, I am excited about that, and there's a lot of energy here. Uh, there's a lot of energy with our board, and... Geez, I, I can't wait to, uh, to, to see this uh, take the next step. So what is that next step? And part of the reason why I've uh, not, <laughs> not been, uh, you know, putting out the podcast the way in the volume and frequency that I had been for a long, long time uh, is because um, I've been working on some of these other things. I mean, not only have I been trying to uh, patch my house together and pick up the 
you know, hundred trees that are, are down in my yard and, and I can actually walk around the house now, which is uh, around the out, like literally like circle the house. Um, that wasn't possible even a week ago. And now we're getting to the point where we can, uh, besides doing that stuff, I've, I've been working on a, a number of things here to get us ready for that next step. Um, we're in the process and I, I mentioned this earlier and I mentioned this on a prior podcast. We're in the process of hiring two people. We're hiring a communications specialist and we're hiring a member support specialist. Uh, we're hiring two people that are going to help us implement this strategic plan. And I, I can't tell you how excited I am about the applicants that we have. I, I'm going to tell you, we're getting up to the 50 minute mark. I'll try to be a little bit quicker on this. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the process we've used to identify the right people for our organization because I, 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 don't, I don't like the way businesses typically go about choosing people. And I'll, I'll point out that if we were to hire a president CEO of Strong Towns and we were to say the things that we wanted them to do write a blog, do a podcast, talk about these certain issues, uh, go out and give talks. And then we collected resumes from people. We, we would never hire someone who was a civil engineer and a land use planner, right? Because it would, it would never fit those criteria. Yet here I am doing this. And I think actually doing something that, that in many ways I was meant to do. Um, I think that the traditional cover letter resume thing is a joke and I don't, I don't like it. I don't ascribe to it. I, I've, when I've used it in prior places where I've hired people, it's not worked out well. And so years ago, I, I developed a different method for finding the people that I wanted to work with. And I'm using that here and I'm really, really excited about the results. Uh, here's what I've done. I published the two positions job descriptions. Uh, I did a two briefings where I invited anyone who was interested in these positions to uh, attend a webinar where I talked about the stuff we've gone through here, the strategic plan, uh, what these positions entailed. And then I took questions. Uh, the first briefing I took questions for about half an hour. The second one was about 45 minutes. And I just answered uh, people's questions about these positions and what they entailed. Um, the organization, you know, any, anything people had a question about. Then uh, I publish a questionnaire. And uh, with the people submitted, I, I asked them to give me their email address and their zip code. So I, I knew where they were and I had their email address, but I, I didn't know who they were. And that was very important. I, I didn't, I don't want any identifying information at this point. So I, I, I notified all the people who had submitted at this point to, um, fill out this questionnaire and the questionnaire had uh, each had eight questions for each position. Um, things like I, I had them read an article and then I wanted them to summarize the article for me. Tell me what this article is about. Write a, write a tweet uh, to share with people who are interested in strong towns, write a Facebook post, write an email to our membership uh, sharing this article uh, engage with, you know, this audience and that. And, and I basically had them go through and do some of the tasks, some of the things that they would be doing, uh, when they come to work for me, um, when they come to work for the, the organization. And the reason I wanted to do this is because more than 
a cover letter, more than a resume. This is actually tell me something about how you think, how you perform, what you would do. Uh, this is utterly fascinating. Just the results of this are just fascinating. We had, uh, I want to say, 80 submittals. Of the 155 people who initially expressed interest, a little more than half of them actually went through the first round and submitted entries. And I, I read every single one. Andrew Burleson, our board chair, read every single one. Uh, we've had some other people who have, have dabbled with them, but the two of us read every single one. And I mean, this was, I, I'm an incredibly fast reader. This took me 20 hours uh, to read all of these, you know, and we asked for a writing sample and that kind of thing. Um, is utterly, utterly fascinating. Uh, many of these were very good, very, very good. Um, and a lot of them were technically very good. Um, but very few of them were very good uh, in the sense that they were articulate and also very good in the sense that they were compelling. Um, and it's interesting because once you start going through these, you find that there's certain voices, a certain way of talking about things. And, and we disagreed internally. I mean, we all kind of ranked these and then uh, debated where we weren't quite in agreement. Uh, but it's utterly fascinating because I feel like right now we're going to we're going on to the second round here next week. We've got another questionnaire next round about work habits and that kind of thing. Um, but we're going forward with uh, about a dozen. I think there's maybe 14. Uh, the, the final number is not out yet, but uh, candidates of these roughly 80 that applied that we thought were not only good in terms of uh, articulate, but really compelling in terms of how they approach stuff. I'm just dying right now because I, I've wanted this kind of support in the organization for a long, long time, for, for, for well over a year, year and a half. Uh, but particularly in the last six months, as I've been kind of working through some of these things about sharing our message and seeing the feedback that we would get when we would increase our our uh, content stream and when we'd share it in distri just different distribution channels. And uh, it, it just, it, it got me so excited. I've wanted these people to be able to help. And now we have found, and, and quite frankly, any of the dozen that we're, I mean, I would hire any of them, right? I'd hire all of them if I had the resources, because this is a, a bunch of really good, compelling people who are sharing things. Now, I know who some of them are. Uh, I, I'll be, you know, direct or honest. I'm not being dishonest before, but, you know, some of them, their email address is familiar to me. Um, some of them, their email address is their name, so it's pretty easy to figure out who they are. Uh, I would say of the 14, I maybe know eight of them. Uh, but this is some that I don't know, and I just, I, I'm dying to meet them. I, I just, I love their writing. I love the things they submitted. I, I'm just so excited about this. Um, our team is excited. The, the more people that have read this stuff, they've said, wow, this is really incredible. We're assembling this great organization. Uh, this is really, really exciting stuff. And so I actually, at the end of this week, I'm going to go on vacation. Um, we've take a summer camping trip and I'm going to completely unplug and, uh, we're going to be, uh, out in the wilderness with the kids and, uh, be completely on vacation. But, um, 
when I get back, we're going to be reviewing the, the second round submissions. And I, I can't wait. I am just thrilled. Uh, but that's been taking up a, a ton of my time. Um, I want to close with the last thing that's been taking up a, a ton of my time and, and will continue to take up my time. And uh, that is the, the whole kind of revenue side of this operation. We, we have uh, foregone in uh, 2015 any revenue that was not from a membership or a donation or from a speaking engagement. And in fact, we, we rely a, a lot on compensation we get when I go out and speak places uh, for our revenue stream. Um, we in the past have gotten grants and foundation support, but those have largely been tied to projects and things that I would call or that we're going to call now consulting. Um, and we're just not doing them anymore. And so at, at that board meeting in December, our board said, you know, we're, we're not going to engage with uh, foundations until we um, figure out what we're going to do uh, because we don't want to commit to projects and, and things that, that are potentially not going to be part of who we are. Um, we now know what we're doing, right? We've got an updated strategic plan. We've got our programs. And now I'm starting that process of reengaging uh, with those people. Um, these are, I, I, I've not lost complete touch, but um, I've also not, you know, been incredibly active with it. And I am, I am getting there again because broadening and diversifying our revenue stream is, is going to be a really important part of us being successful long-term. Uh, the other thing here, and I have to say, this is outside of my comfort zone, uh, is my board has been pushing me to become a, a better fundraiser, a, a better, uh, better at engaging with people who would be interested in supporting us financially. Um, this is far outside of my comfort zone. Um, you know, I, I'm already, uh, you know, uh, in many ways, um, I was going to say a fish out of water, but I'm, I'm, I'm not when it comes to the blogging and the podcasting and all that. But I certainly, there, there's nothing in my resume that would suggest that I would be good at this. Um, I am not a, a natural at sales. I'm not a natural at fundraising. I'm, I'm not a natural at some of these things. Um, but my board, and, and I've got some board, you know, I've got a board, one board member in particular who is really good at this, who's been kind of coaching me. He said, you know, you're, you are pretty good. You just need to, uh, to learn some things. Um, I tell you what I am, and, and I think this is the, this is the key and this is the thing that's going to help me. I'm passionate about what we're doing. I love what we're doing. I think it is important. Uh, I think it is important for America. Uh, I think it's important for the cities that people live in. I think it's important for neighborhoods. I think it's important for families and individuals. I think it's important for small businesses. I line up all the things that I love and care about, and I feel like our message is one of the most important things for them. It's certainly, I think, on a macro level, on a large level, uh, you know, the most important thing that we can be doing right now. And so I think my challenge is to, to, to channel that passion and channel that commitment. And the fact that I'm willing to stay up all hours of the night to do things like this, um, because I, I, I believe in this deeply, 
uh, I think channeling that is going to help me to uh, to get to this next stage. Uh, we need to cultivate uh, some 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 really good relationships with people who are interested in supporting us and helping us reach the next levels. I'm I'm hiring two people now. I actually uh, would hire a third if I had the resources. Uh, there's a you know I I, I have identified ways we could use a third person uh but we're just gonna do without now for a while because I, I don't have the capacity to bring that person on um i'm gonna be working on that through the rest of the year and the hope is that i can do that by uh, by december or by january um that's my challenge and that's uh, part of what i've got to do and and part of the reason why i've been uh, kind of a wall a little bit in the in the blog and the podcast is uh is the house Part of it is this transition. Part of it is bringing these new people in. Part of it is writing budgets and doing other things that that have not been uh, under my, um, you know, my kind of responsibilities up to this point. My gosh, I've got to do employee manuals and all, all these things that I haven't had to do for such a long time now are on my plate, and I'm I'm kind of you know plowing through them, but uh, also becoming more intentional about the long-term financial stability of this movement and this organization is something uh, that that I've I've dabbled in before but never had the um, I think the insistence from my board but also the the in, the intentionalness uh, with which I'm doing it there is a clear link now between what I want to see this movement accomplish what staff and resources we need to make that happen and what I need to do to uh, line those resources up to make it all happen. And uh, that's, that's the first time that that is, you know, we, we've, we've reached that plateau now as an organization and it's challenging and it's exciting and it's a little bit scary too. So we've reached the hour mark. Um, I didn't know how long this podcast would be. I think I'm going to stop there. Uh, I will be out next week, so don't look for something next week. And I apologize. Uh, the week after, though, I'm going to be back. Uh, I'm 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 finishing up a ton of things now, and my hope is that when I get back, I'm going to be able to get right back into the groove of content again. And so, if you're a, a blog reader, I'll be there. If you're a podcast listener, I plan to be back two weeks from now. And uh, if you just happen to listen to this podcast for the first time today. Go back and listen to some of the older ones because <laughs> uh, um, they're going to be much better than this one. No. Thanks, everybody. Um, thanks for all you do, and, and thanks for being there for me, and thanks for caring about this movement and uh, the stuff that we're doing. It, it means a, a ton to me to have you out there and uh, have, you, have you caring so much about what we do. I'm in this. Uh, I'm dedicated to it. I'm motivated. I'm excited. Uh, don't suspect for a minute that not hearing from me means that uh, I'm I'm losing interest or passion. Uh, nothing could be further the, from the truth. It, it pains me uh, when I go too long without doing a podcast. So thank you. A particular thank you to all of our members and everything you're doing to support us. Uh, take care, everybody, and keep doing what you can to build strong towns.
Maguire what? Drastic measures, yes! Who said that? They know that America's one big pothole right now. Bill, 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 Bill. That's the story. Chuck Marone, this has been fascinating. I like you. I like your vision of the of the world. The United Nations Earth Summit Agenda 21. Yeah. 